Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to the Mr. and Mrs. Podcast with your hosts, Mr. Max and Mrs. Lacey. Oh, man. So, two weeks. It's been two weeks. It has been two weeks. That's why we're back. Yeah. We're trying to stay consistent on this motherfucker. (laughs) I made it hard already. I'm making a rated R right from the (laughs) get-go. You are not cunting around i'm not cunting around <laughs> jesus you went there you went for the big c the big c the big c yeah big hairy c <laughs> lord i'm sorry folks oh, i'm man. sorry anyway not safe for children nsfw do not listen to this on your bluetooth speaker at work folks we're gonna warn you about that about 30 seconds after we drop the big motherfuck <laughs> Fucking shit God damn it I, think, I know that's not that, that I'm able to say that I think people already know right? Yeah we already know We're, we're a hard R Almost NC-17 If we showed like a You know Frontal And Bent over Bent over <laughs> Nudisms yeah. yeah So you know Big things coming up Wait, For us We need intro Oh Shit I'm Mr. Max <laughs> You're not Mr. Max <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to our voices, you are listening to the Mr. and Mrs. Podcast. I am Mr. Max. I'm Mrs. Lacey. And if you know the the flow of our show, it's a I bring a topic and... Uh, I bring a topic. There we go. And then we have the learning corner. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. I don't normally say that. But. So uh, what did we have coming up? So we have a big thing coming up. What's that? Our... It's the basis of our whole show. It's the reason why you are Mrs. Lacey. Ah, uh, yes. Our anniversary. Our wedding anniversary. Our wedding anniversary. Yeah, it's not our meet anniversary. Yeah. As we like to call when we met. <laughs> we celebrate all types of anniversaries. She's like celebrated our anniversary and then, or not our, our wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. our meet anniversary, mm-hmm. and then our semi anniversary. Yeah, well, I like celebrating. <laughs> we like going out of town, folks. <laughs> I like uh, celebrating our the day we met because um, before we got married, that was our date. That's true. And we didn't get married right away, so we had that first date for a long time. Yeah. Not common to people in Utah who get married ra- kind of rapidly. We uh, did not get married till about five years after we met. Mm-hmm. So, so, so up, this, this is our... Sixth. 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 Okay. I, 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 every time I think I say sixth, it doesn't come out with a th at the end. Sixth. <laughs> Sixth. Cool. Yeah, so. Um, we also just came back from a vacation. We went down to uh, out to West Texas. I went and saw uh, Big Bend National Park, which is kind of the only national park in all of Texas. It's out in the Chihuahuan Desert. Yeah, it was beautiful. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So I'm used to national parks. You know, Yellowstone, uh, Glacier, uh, Yosemite, you know, those ones. Where you go during the summertime, you go with your family, they pack up the car, we drive out to the national park and just have a you know a, a time. That national park you cannot go to in the summer, no, because you will fucking die. Right? It's like it's like a hundred and thirty degrees out there. <laughs> yeah, we hot as balls. It's uh yeah the first second week in January we spent almost the entire time outside, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful weather. Yeah, it was like you know seventy six you know sixty seventy degrees. Yeah, even when it was raining. It was still pretty damn warm out there. It was so. lovely. 
But yeah, so we had a good, nice little trip. We hung out there. I saw Prada Marfa. I saw it for the third time. You saw it for the second time. Mm-hmm. In the daytime this time? Yes, I've never seen it in the daytime. It was really cool. Crossed so. over to Mexico for a bit. Yes. Oh yeah, for a wee bit, for a few hours. Mm-hmm. That was fun. So it, down in Big Bend, there's a port of entry there. And uh, to you could get to a uh, a Mexican town by the name of Boquillas. Boquillas, I'm seeing it. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Every um, Texan or, that we passed kept calling it Boquillas. Because <laughs> they know how to... <laughs> if anybody could butcher the Spanish language anymore, it's Texas. <laughs> Case in point, Amarillo. <laughs> yes. But yes, they say San Antonio. Okay. They, I get, nah. How else are they going to say San Antonio? San Antonio. <laughs> Added Dean in there somewhere. But anyway, so... Yeah, so we had a great trip. Saw a lot of cool uh, parts. We've been wanting to go out to the West West Texas desert for a while. Uh, a lot of uh, good things have been said about it, and we had a good time. It did not disappoint. It did not at all. Yeah, we also made a little stop in Balmerea because oh, they have yeah. a natural pool that's uh, fed by a spring. So a geothermal spring, so, right? So, so even which is kind of uncommon only... for for Texas because they don't normally have natural springs, which are a cold cold water that comes up. But right. this is actually one that's actually a little bit warm. So. Even though it was only, you know, 40-something degrees outside, we were able to go swimming because the pool itself is heated. Like to a 75? Yeah. And it's filled with everything a natural warm body of water is going to be filled with. Fish and frogs and kelp, salamanders and moss and turtles. and Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of moss. A lot of moss. A lot of fish. A lot of fish. Like, like the the funny thing is, okay, so, um, fish. There's a, there's a treatment that women, like rich people, rich women get to exfoliate their feet. And it's, it's like kind of like a Japanese thing where you go put your feet in this pool and they put little fish in it and the fish nibble on your feet and just get rid of the calluses and eat the dead skin and everything. At this pool, this will happen regardless of if you want it to happen or not. Yes. <laughs> you cannot stop them from nibbling at your heels. Or nipples. Yeah. In your case. Yeah. Yeah. My nipples were covered. <laughs> Mine were not. <laughs> yes, I gave you a visual, folks. Think of these nipples. <laughs> they have tiny little scars on them from where a fish bit on them. <laughs> Pictures are not coming. I'm just letting you know that now. But anyway, so. Might as well get down to brass tacks. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of marriage and um, anniversaries and stuff. What's your topic about? I'm talking about marriage. Really? Yeah, I'm wondering kind of why. Why we did it? or Not us specifically, but... Because I could tell you why we did it. Why did we do it? Well, we did it for uh, for the tax benefit, really. The health insurance. Yeah, well, some type of man thing. You know, we had to go fight the power and get married and... Yeah, I had just graduated. I had my first good job. I was finally getting benefits and, and you still and didn't I needed have to, insurance. I needed to tack along with so, it. Yeah, so, you know, it's not very romantic, but I guess I'm not too much of a romantic anyway. So. It's all business with you. Yeah. This this is probably the reason why you're coming up with this topic, though, honestly. Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm wondering if the idea of weddings is past its prime, if it's past oh, its usefulness, okay. if it's, um, yeah, not that... I think that people should just wander around if that's what you'd like to do. That's what you'd like to do. But when it comes down to it, a marriage is, you know, basically just being able to tell the government that this is a person that I have, that these two people are entering a legal contract with each other. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I get it um, for health insurance reasons, tax reasons. For the utilitarian reasons, pretty much. Right. Yeah. But uh, romantically speaking, I don't think you and I are any more or less happy than if we had just, you know, continued living together. If both of us got our own jobs with good health insurance, I don't know when we would have gotten married. Yeah, I mean, in in the beginning, at least, when we first met, marriage wasn't even discussed at all. I mean, but I don't know. I mean, like I think about it, it's like, well, what have you gotten married if scenarios would have been different? Would you, would you be Mrs. Lacey if, you know, if we didn't need insurance or? Yeah. But I mean, what about tradition? 
Eh, I mean, I've never cared for tradition. Tradition is just a, for me in most cases, is just a way for people to be doing something but not have to question what they're doing. It's like, well, this is what my dad does, so this is what <laughs> I'm going to do. Uh, and that's not me at all. I question everything like, I don't know, 70 times until I'm going insane. Yeah. So, I mean, we did do some traditions, obviously. I had a white wedding dress and... and We didn't get married in church. No. But it's not just wedding traditions. It's just this, the idea of marriage itself. And specifically... I'd like to approach it on the way, um, is it a good deal for women? Okay. Right? Because marriage, I would say, if you're looking at it from an investment standpoint, you know, you've got the dual income household. Yeah. Which is always going to kick ass. Well, let me just tell you something. Like at work the other day, I got called a dink. And I wanted to bring this up today, but so this is actually a perfect time to like, a dink. A dink. What? D-I-N-K. That sounds like a pretty derogatory term. Why you are you so excited so, about it? The only thing I heard about dink is like a little midget clown from like WWF or whatever. Yeah, I would yeah. be upset <laughs> if someone called me a dink. Well, a dink means uh-huh. double income, no kids. And then uh-huh. I was happy about it. That's why I'm so elated. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, true. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet place to be. It, it is. Yeah, so. Yeah, so I understand uh the finances of it obviously a woman living by herself it can she be she can't make it in this day and age it's science <laughs> it's science <right? laughs> it's science uh a woman living by herself obviously is going to have a lower usually a lower quality of life than if she's living with a person that is also working yeah just for the double income even if that person is has less education or makes less money it's still a a pile-on effect, you know? Like once you get to a certain amount of money that you can pay your bills and then someone else's income is just... Stacked on top of it. Right. It definitely helps out. It's a, it's a, magnif- it's a multiplier effect, essentially. Exactly. Okay, so in our role, I mean, in our marriage roles that we have right now, typically you're talking about, well, do women benefit from this so much? By society, societal state, sakes you would be saying no. I mean, I mean, they, they benefit from it by having a double income. So they get a better quality of life that way. But there's a lot of hoops that a woman has to go through in a marriage process. I mean, they have to change their last name typically by if they're going for traditional standards. This comes with all the burdens associated with it. You have to get a new social security card. You got to get a new ID. You got to get a change your name everywhere. Um, you have the option if you have kids, do you want to hyphenate your name? So you're still tied with the kids in some way or another. Um, do you not want to change your name? And then you want to be that woman who decides not to change your name. And everyone's asking that question. Why don't you want to change your name? Right. No, that's this, None of that is placed on the man. Right. At it's all. It's not at all. And the thing is, is that in society, we kind of, if you look at, you know, uh, pop music or movies, TV shows, the ultimate goal of a woman seems to be marriage. Right. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that men are always running from. But when it comes down to it, men benefit from marriage far more than women do. Um, yeah, so they get a nice hot meal every night and <laughs> clean laundry. And Right, obviously. Okay, okay, so I, I need to interject here, okay? So these chauvinistic statements that I'm saying are not literal, okay? Right. Just wanted to say that right now. Because? Because last episode, I said that your favorite place was the kitchen. Uh-huh. And I just want to let you know that was all in jest. <laughs> and the only reason I said that is, and I didn't get to explain it, was the reason why I said the kitchen is because a lot of your higher priced items that you own are in there, just like my higher priced items were in my man cave that we were talking about, or the computer room as we were talking about. Uh-huh. So just wanted to place that out there. I am not a chauvinist. Right. But if you are unfamiliar with our dynamic... I am the breadwinner. Exactly. Or I wanted to mention that later is that you're talking about these gender roles that are out there and our gender role is flipped. I mean, technically, you know, in some. So as I was saying, I'm not saying she fucks me in the ass or anything. I'm just saying that (laughs) we are totally cutting that. (laughs) No, we are not. It's not staying in. And not if you're editing this tonight. (laughs) Anyway, as I was saying, (laughs) women 
are supposedly the ones that are rushing to get married all the time. Yes. Right. Because there's a timeline to this. I mean, obviously. Right. But men are the ones that benefit the most. So, so, so married men live longer than single men. Married men make more money than single men. Married men are happier than single men. Okay. Okay. Married women make less money than single women. Why is that? Is there, beca- is there a reason why? Yes, it's because when a woman is single, they think that she can be focused. Okay. And so they think, just like a man, that she doesn't have any distractions. Once a woman is married, she is treated as a ticking time bomb as to when she is going to spit out kids and cost the company money. So they'll ask you, you know, maybe conversationally, if you have kids, and if you don't have kids, it's they're afraid to promote you mm-hmm. or to put you in a position of importance because if at any point you get you could just pregnant, drop out pretty much. Right. But that doesn't happen to married men. That's true. Married yeah. men are... That one, perception's there. Right. You know? a, a single man is looked at as kind of erotic. Not erotic. Um, <laughs> erotic. <laughs> erotic and... So Mr. Um, Jones, you're single. Lady. You know, might come in hungover or might ha- go on Party these animal. crazy sex capades or, you know, hit on the secretaries and make everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> Um, but once he's married, he's grounded and he's a family man. And, and it, he, needs, he needs to provide. Exactly. And the opposite is true for women. Once they're married, they are treated as an eventual so um, liability pod. Yes. Yeah. They're a liability. They're also not happier than single women. And they also make much less money than single women. Mm-hmm. Now, that's obviously because usually w- married women do have children. That's true. And so they will take... By traditional sex. Right. And so if you do that, uh, women will take some time off, Mm -hmm. right? To have the child, some women take a few years off to raise the child. Yes. Or help raise the child. And men don't typically do that. Now, I understand that's a woman's choice to do that. No one is forcing her, obviously, to have children or to not work. But I don't think people understand the compounding effect that has on a woman's lifetime income stream, right? Because, you know, let's say like right now I'm in my 30s, right? And as a person ages, they get to a point where their income doesn't necessarily increase anymore, right? You are looking- You cap off pretty much. You cap off. It's in a, in the industry that you in the job that you're in pretty much right. so say for but instance, it's not like it's not like you can just cap off at any point usually people will reach their peak income at about age 40 to 50 mm-hmm. right and then after that it declines slowly into retirement in your 20s and 30s it's going up exponentially exponentially usually so unless you suck at life <laughs> And so usually an employer is going to pay you, let's say you switch jobs, an employer is going to pay you what you made at your last job plus a little more. Hopefully. An employer almost never just says, this is what I'm going to pay you. Mm -hmm. They want to know where you came from so that they're not overpaying you. Right. And they want to get saved money. Exactly. And I can tell you that in my industry, if I took two, three years off right now, I would, I would forecast that in my lifetime income stream, I would lose hundreds of thousands of dollars because what I'm essentially doing is taking my skills, my education, everything, my performance off the table, and then hoping that in a few years I'll still be relevant. I'll probably have to come in at a much lower pay than I am at now. Mm -hmm. And then I have to start from the bottom again. Yeah. Men don't ever married men usually unless they take time off they don't have to do this and so over the they're course they're not expected to do it i mean right. that's really what it is i mean in today's modern couples um it's it's starting to turn the other way other way a little bit i mean there are a lot of men who are taking time off to go take care of the kids i mean uh in our situation if we were to have kids it, it may end up being that way because you're the primary breadwinner right I, I mean, I'd have that. to start hookering on the side or something like that. 
But that's what I'm saying is that so over the course of a traditional marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're talking about a traditional marriage because I know my marriage works and it's because I make it work because I'm a feminist and a marriage is going to work for me as much as it's going to work for my spouse. And that's just how it's going to be or it's not going to work. So obviously we're talking about marriage in a more traditional sense, sure. right? Yeah. So in a traditional sense, men make a lot more than women because they're married. And they consistently work. Right. And women over the course of their lives will make a lot less, right? Now, this may not seem like that big of a deal as long as you stay married, right? Mm-hmm. Because the man makes a little more, the woman makes a little less. It doesn't really matter because you're in it together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, your incomes become one, pretty much. Right. So in other words, instead of you making him making fifty, you're making thirty. You're now making eighty. And and together you're making eighty. So it's not that big of a deal who makes what, until you're not married anymore. Dun, dun, dun. And then you royally get fucked. You screwed the pooch. And I know that a lot of people talk about you know divorces and that you know women just want to get married so they. Get an alimony they can check. Get an alimony, that fat alimony check, and half of their stuff in the divorce. And I can tell you that from all of the divorces that I've ever witnessed, what happens is there aren't aren't enough assets in the marriage together to be of any real value to anyone. Mm-hmm. However, what the marriage did have was time, and the woman spent most of her time raising the children, and the man spent most of his time working mm-hmm. and saving for a retirement. And then at some point, the man has everything he's worked for his entire marriage transitions into his bachelor life. And everything the woman has worked for goes off to college and she is left trying to find a nine, $10 an hour job to start off with. So that is the, that's what I witness over and over and over again in the marriages and divorces that I've seen. I just, I don't know if it's as good a deal for women as everyone thought it once was. But it can go the other way too. The examples that you witnessed are the sign of the times that passed. Nowadays, and say for in our situation, say if we got divorced, God forbid, um, it would end up being the other way around. You know, you have a 401k, you have the biggest income, and then the person who, or me, would be the opposite. It would be the same scenario. It's it's just a weird archaic thing that we do and I think as women it's um I don't know, I don't know if it's a good deal for most women. It just all I think it all depends. I mean the, the traditional sense of getting married is always a, a great thing. If you're getting married for love, if you're getting married that's the other reason you're doing it, then that's great. But the logistical value of it it can be detrimental if it ends in divorce. Not only that, like I said, women even though, so let's say it doesn't really matter that a woman makes less because she's with her husband for her whole sure. life and together they make the same amount. Yeah. She's still less healthy than her single woman counterparts, probably because she takes care of a lot of other people than herself. But the women and she's do. she's still less happy than single women. Women do outweigh, outlive their men in, in traditional marriages, though. That's just because women outlive men, whether they're single or married. So then they already got the edge. <laughs> they already got the edge. I would also say that even in the modern times when both usually both people have to work, women still take care of more things. Um, in studies, they found that even with both couples working full time, women spend 30% more time taking care of the house than men. Mm-hmm. So women have a larger burden when they get married, even if they are, even if they're not a stay at home person, their job is outside the house and they are still expected to do more than their spouses. Hmm. So they do more, they lose money over their lifetimes. And, and I just, I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Hmm. Some way to celebrate our anniversary, huh? Yeah, it's like thanks, like <laughs> ask. <laughs> ask you if you like being married to me, Jesus Christ. Oh, one thing I forgot is that also 
women often give up their um their dreams and aspirations that <laughs> and their money you know whatever sort of management feature they had before whether it was their own checking or their own credit cards or whatever they usually kind of hand that over to someone that is managing everything. That was one thing in the study I was reading. They found as well, the women do, you know, 30% more work around the house. Mm-hmm. That the Domestic ta- chores, if you will. Exactly. That the tasks that the men did more often were um, taking out the garbage and doing the bills. So the men did the bills. Yes, and managed the money. Mm-hmm. So obviously when a woman loses that control in her life or never has it to begin with, you know, a lot of women get married very young and they just acquire everything together and then the man just takes care of everything. All they did has a job at the Dairy Queen and then they get knocked up. Right. And so that's also something that when a marriage does, if a marriage separates and it's you- a hindrance. I mean, honestly, if you get married at a young age because of uh, you got married in uh and got knocked up or something. You don't have a chance to go to college. You, so you're already at a hindrance compared to uh, your husband, I would say, who may already have a college degree or maybe getting one, stuff like that. So, Right. Yeah. And obviously, like I've said a billion times, we're talking about uber traditional marriages yes. here. Obviously, you know, most marriages are updating and changing and everything. But Both of you wear pants. Sometimes. Maybe the man wears a skirt. Maybe. Because he wants to feel pretty once in a while. That's, yeah, totally appropriate. Why but, did you tell me you love me anymore, Lacey? <laughs> but women aren't going to get um, on an equal playing field with men if we don't question what we're doing. Mm-hmm. If we just, you know, step into the white dress and step into the the apron. It's and, a handicap. And um, just make sure that what we're doing is for our own benefit and that we're putting ourselves first. And making sure that we succeed just as much as our families and our husbands. Yeah. This just reeks of feminism right here. Good. Reeks. It should. It smells of feminism. Like. I don't know what it smells like. What does feminism smell like? Patchouli and burning polyester. Really? Yes. Mm, I think it smells like flowers and ass kicking. Ass kicking. What does ass kicking smell like? You know. But if you want to, yeah, make it equal. That's the best way to start, I would say. Fight for yourself and don't get wrapped up in the fact that, you know, people divide housework. And dividing housework seems somewhat trivial when you're talking about marriage as a whole. But uh, it can definitely wear on people for sure. Yeah, if someone's doing all of it, that's that's a problem. I mean... Or doing 30% more than they should be. I mean, that's a third more that you're taking off your partner's shoulders and putting it on your own so that they can go and do leisurely activities. And so, yeah, it can be frustrating. And it's hard to divide it. And it can be even harder to renegotiate it constantly, right? You feel like, oh, fuck it i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm just gonna fucking I'm just do, gonna it. do it and get it over with but then you kind of put yourself in a place where you're gonna end up doing it all so mm-hmm. uh constant renegotiation communication and communication that's the big one i mean if you if it comes down to everything you just mentioned right now the the biggest thing on top of that would be the foundation to all of it is good communication if you don't communicate you're it's really just not gonna work right marry someone that you can talk to yeah just a little bit or just do a podcast with shit sure yeah. yeah if this is the only time you talk through the whole week at least you got how was your day in. honey <laughs> <laughs> jeez it's like an hour and a half of this yeah anyway so that's a good topic though i liked it a lot it's good makes me think why did we get married and then i think health insurance and then i think obamacare and then i look at the affordable health care site and i'm like wow i'm glad i got my own insurance <laughs> Yeah. And tax benefits is questionable. And it is, it's isn't it? It's like <laughs> if each person is on their own, it's not the cumulative income. Obviously, married people can deduct a lot more, but because they are at a higher income bracket, it's basically a wash and I would say it's a tax penalty to get married. You don't get the glory hole of marriage until you have kids. 
Yeah, for sure. The it, tax glory hole. The tax glory. Yeah. What yeah. other glory holes are there, Lacey, that I'm referring to? There's, uh, I can think of one for <laughs> sure. The one for that gold digger show? <laughs> no, I had forgotten about that. I can think of two. <laughs> God, you're dirty minded. That's why I love you. Anyway, what do you got, Max? So, out in the West Texas town of Marfa. I fell in love with a mystery light. <laughs> you know it. Well, anyway, uh, in the town of Marfa, small little town, uh, population about, I think it's like under 1,200 people. Something. It's a really small town. Actually, I don't even know if that is that much. Okay, that was about right. Okay, so it has a population a little under 2,000 people. About 1,981 people live there. A little specific, I know. Probably a little <laughs> less because somebody probably died yesterday. Or maybe a little more. Somebody got born there yesterday. Anyway, hipster town nowadays. Yeah. It's uh, full of contemporary art, uh, installations, uh, sun, snowbirds live there, people from New York. The big thing about it is uh, it's it's now a nice, thriving art community, but it's only because it's an art community because of what I'm talking about today. Okay. The Marfa Lights. The Marfa Lights. Now, if you don't know what the Marfa Lights are... Um, off of uh, the U.S. Road 90 um, in in between uh, Alpine and Marfa, there is a area that is called the Marfa Lights Viewing Area now. I know I'm not explaining much here, but when you go there at night, you look off in the, into the distance towards the Chihuahua Desert towards Mexico. So you see the, in the distance there's a mountain range, and what you're looking at is Mexico. At the base of this hill, towards dusk hours and later, You'll see a red beacon. It flashes. It's just a radio tower in the distance. But you'll see eventually lights form. Orbs of lights. And your new modern brain, when you're looking at it, all you think is it's fucking headlights. That's all it is. Because they're, they're, they're caressing, careening down a valley, pretty much. They're going downhill. They're moving at a steady pace. We just went a few days ago. And yes. I went to scope out. Um had to go to the restroom, so I went to the restroom at this place and, and started looking out, and I was like, I didn't see any lights. And I was like, shit, damn, that sucks. I look they're, at, they're not there all the time. Yeah. They're only there like 20 days out of the week, a year. Right. And I've been lucky to see them before because um, I went past Marfa like around April of last year, and I was able to see them with my dad. And so I was like, you know, Lacey, we got to go see this. You're going you're gonna to love it. So we went and saw these lights, and we went to go to the viewing area, and they weren't showing up. And I was like, shit. So I looked it up and like, yeah, they only appear 20 days out of the year. So I was like, shit, damn it. And so I get, I get lazy. She's still in the car and I say, Hey, come on out. Let's go see if we can see any lights. And I, I told, I told you like, we didn't, they're not there. I didn't, haven't seen them yet. And then we st- stood there for about 10 minutes and then they started appearing yeah. out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And one appeared on the top of the hill. It was really bright and flickery and then another one appeared at the base of the hill like way down in the valley and then another one appeared right in the middle and then we started looking at them closely and then the one in the middle split and then it went back together and mm-hmm. then it split again then they started disappearing here and there and then they all disappeared for once and they started reappearing at random intervals there were different colors white like a little bit of bluish hue a little bit yellowish and What'd you think when you saw? I thought this can't be the light Marfa lights that everybody's talking about. What'd you think they were? Headlights. They are so bright and they come up. They're not in the sky, right? So anytime I've heard of the Marfa lights, I've always thought, you know, they're like UFOs in the sky that blink on and off. No, they are like, if you were looking at a mountain and you see cars traveling down the mountain, that's exactly what the Marfa lights look like. They look, they move slowly, they move in deliberately, they don't but they waver don't. back and forth, they don't shimmy, they don't shake, they just move, Are there. and they're just there. But what you just said is wrong, though, because they don't move consistently. Like they did in the beginning when they went down the hill, but they stopped at a point. And they stayed consistent on their where they were from that point on. Right. 
So and there is no road there either. At all. Right. No. So, but I'm, you asked me what I thought when I first mm-hmm. saw it, and I thought, these can't be it because obviously these are just headlights. But if you look closely, I mean, as we were there, we didn't just notice them flashing on and off and merging together and splitting off because the one on the top of the hill split a couple times. The one in the middle split a couple times. The one on the base did not. But eventually they started moving, like yes. floating, like mm-hmm. 10 to 15 feet up in the air, like balloons pretty much. Right. They're like dancing in a way. And then coming back down. Yes. Right. But what I'm saying is, you know, when you think of UFOs, you think of like shooting straight up in the air, at, you know, pulsing lights, pulsing and and kind of rotating and, and darting here and there. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. These are just these steady lights that may split or may go up a little bit or may go mm-hmm. down a little bit and then they just disappear and the new ones will appear near the hill closer to the hill. Yeah. And my thought was you know okay so maybe they're not headlights if there aren't if there really is no road there. But these happen so regularly and they are so clear and they seem so close some of them creep forward and forward and forward until I until I thought I'm just going to I'm just going to walk out there and touch it like yeah. it is they, getting really close. They feel like they're like in the field right above you and you were like well they're just right there. There's some guy right there I thought, floating a light. I thought there's they people are went out there with flashlights to look and then you showed me and there's a big fence right there. A huge fence. That yeah, so And it's all private property. All that area it's it's, it's a ranch property out there. And so you know, it, a lot of people think, a lot of people assume that they're headlights. But what if I told you when the first time they were reported was back in 1883 when there were no cars around? What would you think about that? I don't know. You think you're full of shit, right? Like, it's just a story. You guys are just making it up. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, I think we did have this conversation before that you thought that, you know, it's just something that the tourism board is just coming up with, right? Right. But there are reports that um, uh, a cow or rancher by the name of uh, Robert Reed Ellison um, pretty much saw the lights back in 1883. And he has a, he's the first report on that. The thing is, is that ever since that moment, it the next time they were reported were back, it was back in the 1950s. So one guy talked about it, and then it was gone. Everyone's been talking about it. I mean, there's murmurs about it, but nobody reports it. Until the 50s when it started, the the UFO heyday started going, you know, launching and everything mm-hmm. like that. So there are a couple of reports other than this uh, Robert Reed Ellison guy. Um, there's actually another one with that um, that O.W. Williams, the grandfather of a former uh, candidate for governor, Clayton Williams. He actually first wrote about the uh, the lights back in the 1880s as well. So there are a couple okay. of accounts. There are a couple of accounts there on w- how these Marfa lights got famous. Um Ever since that report, people started coming down to the area and started looking at them. And they actually were able to witness the lights. And a lot of people say that, uh, you know, that they're they're not necessarily car lights, but they, a lot of people thought they were Indian campfires at that time. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes over there after the fact or during that time, and they're not witnessing any ashes or anything like that. Um, another one is something weird. I was trying to remember the name of it. It's a will-o'-wisp, I think it is. Okay. A whisper of the willows, um, which is actually kind of like lightning shooting up from the air, gases shooting up from the air, and it's also known as like Saint Elmo's fire. I don't know. I don't know what we, these truly mean, but the, these are things that it's been called on what it could be. Okay. Um. So it's really interesting because I mean, this actually kind of started off the whole area of Marfa of being a popular area, a popular zone uh, for that, and the reason is is because of the irony of the quirkiness of what it is. You know, it's, right. it's, it's an, it's an unexplained phenomenon that happens that nobody knows what's causing it, but it, everybody's seen it. Mm-hmm. And so there's not an easy explanation for it. And it kind of garners that eccentric mind. And so it makes the nearby city of Marfa attached to that and make it weird. Yeah. Marfa's a weird place. Yeah. It's cool. Um, it's a combination of retro yeah, it's old and dusty and there's nothing to do there, but there's so much stuff. Um, it's like every other Texas town that you drive through that is completely unimportant, 
but it's inhabited by amazing artists, the best artists from all over the world. Yeah. Come there to make art and um, display it for people. And uh, it's it's famous. The Prada store in Marfa, if you... Well, it's I, not in Marfa. No, it's yeah. not. But they call it the, pra, the Marfa Prada. Um, I had no idea the first time I went... I, I learned about it while reading a Texas magazine. So I thought this is no big deal. It's a Texas thing, but you know, it's it has not to that be stupid, deal. right? I posted a, a picture on Instagram. I did hashtag Prada Marfa. If you look up hashtag Prada Marfa, you will see people from Italy, from Paris, from Spain, from around the uh, world, Japan, a, all of these different people that flock to this weird little store in the West Texas desert. And then you kind of get the scope of what Marfa is. That is Marfa. That is Marfa. The, the Prada store, the mystery lights, the, um, old hotels. It's a grand sense of irony. Yeah. It's, I don't want to pigeonhole this, but it's like hipsterdom to the nth degree. You know, you expect somebody to be there. I don't think so. I think Austin is hipsterdom to the nth degree. Do you do you think so? I do. More so than Marfa, Austin has catered to its demographic, right? Mm-hmm. Marfa hasn't really changed. There are no hip brunch spots in Marfa. That's true. There are no... Um, there are some food trucks, but that's just... I mean, that's just what... It, they're, they're weird. Okay, so you say that. But at the same time, I think it is. It just hasn't popped yet. You know, it's like if there was a root DNA to hipsterdom, it would be Marfa. It'd be a sense of irony. It'd be like, okay, so we go to this hotel there that's called the Hotel Paisano. It's a 1950 hotel that was famous from the 40s and 50s. The main claim to fame to it is that it's an old Spanish style hotel that housed Rock Hudson and what's his name? Uh, Devil without a cause, Rebel without a cause guy. Um, the hell's his name? I'm drawing a blank here. Cary Grant. No, not Cary Grant. But uh, Elizabeth Taylor was there. She was like, and they filmed a movie Giant there, which was a big Western movie back then. Um, and it's kind of what he's famous. James Dean. There we go. James Dean. I, I always have a brain fart. And so. They t- that's its claim to fame that they housed all these actors in this time and production staff. And so it's been revamped. It's been polished over. And, and now it's like a popular retro hotel to go to. And it's very pretty. It's like one of the best hotels I've ever seen in my life that I would love to stay in. There's also a public radio station, which is not, it's, it's semi new. You know, people are talking about like, oh yeah, this isn't, this wasn't here when people lived here. They just popped it up when artists started to move in. And the article that I decided to read on that on this was back in uh, made in Texas Monthly back in I think it was two thousand and six, um, if I had to guess. Yeah, it was back in June of two thousand six when they first reported it, and this was before the hipsters started coming in. They did an update on this article talking about, I regret to inform you that the town of Marfa is changing. A couple of artists came by from Houston, a lawyer from, uh, no, a couple of artists from New York and a, and, a, and a lawyer from Houston decided to move in and started buying up swaths of land and they're starting to essentially gentrify right. Marfa. I have no doubt that what Marfa will become, but I don't think Marfa's like that now. I don't think it ever will because of its isolate. It is so area. far away from an airport that it's not like people from New York can just fly in and fly out. Well, I mean, it's nearest interstates 35 miles away it's way out it's, it's way, way, it's way out, out there. there yeah and that's the thing is that i think people will think <clears throat> initially it's ironic or it's fun to get away or whatever but the the what's the word it, i'm looking for the it will wear off if you can only spend so many hours driving through the texas desert if you aren't if you don't really like it you know, if you're just going there because it's ironic or whatever, you're only going to do that for so long before you just, you just know, give up on just it. go to Aspen or whatever. Let's go to Breckenridge. Yeah. But there's, it's not, 
Mar- there are no fusion restaurants in Marfa. There are no, you know, um, vintage tailors that fix funny hats or something. I mean, it's hard to get a C Marfa Lights shirt there. It's hard to get anything there because nobody lives there. There mm. are no, there are hardly any stores. There are a few hotels, but not many. Um, there are hardly any, re- nobody lives there. Mm. And so it reflects well, there, a town that has a tiny population. That's a problem with that, though. I mean, I, I know I'm going a little bit off topic from the lights and everything, but the the a lot of people who originally lived there, all the farmers and ranchers and everything, are priced out of their homes now. That is true. You know, and because it, it, Marfa has become more than a West Texas town, but Marfa still is not. If it gets an airport, it's fucked. Yes, if it gets an airport, it's fucked. A literal airport. And I've seen Marfa enough now that once, if it does ever pop, I will be happy that I saw it mm-hmm. as it was right now. Because that's, that's a lot of things about this article is that people saw it before it was that. And they're like, it's ruined now. You know, a lot of people don't go out and go see the lights anymore because they don't want to deal with that shit anymore. You know? But the funny thing is, there's no restaurants there. There's nothing there. There's not even a McDonald's I mean, there. There's we, a Dairy Queen. We walked around and like, I didn't see anybody. Like, nobody is there. There's nothing there. <laughs> and this is the time to go. We stood in the middle of the road and took pictures. Nobody is there. So I don't know what they're talking about, but. Yeah. So back on topic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that, um, you know, think it, it's just a logical explanation. It's going to be helicopters, cars, whatever. Um, but. A lot of people, what, what a lot of what a, what a lot of researchers think is that there's a atmospheric deviations in how rays of light are bent. Okay. <clears throat> so what's happening is that it, with the because of temper variance, temperature variance in that area, a lot of the hot um, hot atmospheres against the ground because of the radiating sand and everything and dirt dirt. So it's actually it cuts the air or an atmosphere in that area differently than it's say the cooler air on top. So this can actually bend light in certain ways. So there is a highway near there in that vicinity, but it's not in the vector that you're looking at. Right. And there, a lot of people think that it's a possibility that it could be the lights from that highway that's being bent in a certain way that causes the light to happen. Another one that people think, and I think this is bull hockey because of the fact that it lasts so long, is that it could be magnetic interference because of the volcanic rock that's underneath the ground Hmm. because it contains a lot of iron and so it can cause a magnetic spark to hover and go over no one's ever caught record of this no one has video of this ever happening it's just a theory okay but that's one of the things that can come out that that happened in that that can happen in that area another one is because of the high content of gas and oil in that area they could just be Flare-ups. Which that seems dumb. Yeah, also seems dumb as well. Just because of how long they last. And they move methodically. Yeah, with thought. Mm-hmm. So, I personally think it's people with like lanterns just floating around. It could, it should, yeah, it could be ghosts. A ghost, I, I'm cool with that idea. Hmm. I don't, I'm not even afraid of no ghosts. I was amazed by it because. You what? were like. I couldn't. You couldn't fathom it. You no. couldn't. You couldn't. And it's like. No, I'm a very practical, logical person. I've never come up against anything I couldn't explain. And, and that, when I saw them, I thought, well, this is, I mean, they are so prominent. It's not like I'm watching some grainy footage. They're here. I can see them with my own eyes. And if I can see them, there must be some explanation. And um, I couldn't find one. Yeah. Well, this article, if you actually go to Texas Monthly, uh, I think the article is called The Truth is Out There. You could go read a little more about it. Um, but a lot of there's a lot of reasons. I mean, it's I, let me just read you some of the things that are in this article. Uh, the different layers of air, some denser than others, bend the light to stra- in strange ways. Many go for electrical explanations, such as St. Elmo's fire. The little flecks of lightning that sometimes pass between a steer's horns during storms. Which I've never heard of that before. Have you ever heard of that happening? No, but I'm not a Texan. So yeah, that's true. I cannot be expected to know these things. And then there's there's this one thing that's called piezoelectricity, or the electrical charges that result from earthquakes. 
An earthquake hasn't been registered there since 1995. Yeah. So, and that does happen. I've seen reports, I've seen video of it happening where there's lightning that shoots out from the ground and goes to the air right when uh, right when uh, an earthquake happens. Right. It's, it's a phenomenon that everybody or that people do know about, you know. But, you know, people think it's a, it could be just space. You know, it's a, it could be like the moon harnessing some type of power in this area that causes it to happen, even though there was no moon when we saw it. But if you have a chance, if you're going to anywhere in West Texas, if you're driving through in the middle of the night, just go. Go to Marfa. It's all it's off of Interstate 10, about 30 miles. You'll waste about an hour or two out of your way, but it's totally worth your time. Yeah, totally. It's a cool town. They have places you could stay, you know, if you want to spend the night over there. And the Prada store is really cool at night because mm-hmm. it's totally lit up. I know. We'll talk about that one later. I think. Okay. But yeah. Prada Marfa next time. Because the, the, the whole art thing about it is pretty damn cool. Yeah. But anyway... Wow, we are going long on this one. Holy moly. Mine is pretty short. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the world famous learning corner. Okay, so it's your week this week. Yeah, I'm going to kind of do a cop out. Um, cop out? <laughs> I didn't do a lot of research or anything. So I thought I would just do a learning corner on something that. I love doing, which is fostering dogs. Okay. Maybe people are interested in how fostering works and uh, want to know more about it. And it's a topic that I don't have to do research on because I know a lot about. Well, I mean, we're located in the Houston area. Mm-hmm. So, um, but there are programs nationwide. Obviously. They're looking for homes for little puppies to stay in. Yes. That's the cool thing about it. And Yeah. So how the agency that I work for... Um, they pull dogs from the shelter that are about to be euthanized. Mm-hmm. These are dogs that have either been picked up on the streets, uh, turned in by good Samaritans, or dropped off by their owners, what are mm-hmm. called owner surrenders. Um, the owner surrenders have a hold on them so that the shelter, or excuse me, the non-owner surrenders have a hold on them just to make sure that um, if you lose your dog, your dog runs out in the street, something like that. You have a chance to go around and look at all of the shelters to make sure that nothing happens to them. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much after that, um, they're up for either adoption or euthanization. And so the agency that I work for tries to pull their dogs um, from the high kill shelters in the area mm-hmm. and f- from those that are about to be euthanized. And um, you just bring them into your home. Uh, we take some dogs directly from the shelter. They stink. They stink. They always stink. Um, it's just an unavoidable. If you've ever been to a shelter, you know why. I yeah. mean, if you ever have a chance to go to the Humane Society and go look at dogs, you're, you're pretty much seeing some of the worst conditions a dog can live in. Um, but they're doing the best they can to keep them alive. Exactly. Yeah, and so. they have always have very limited resources. And those people, to have to uh, work with that on a as their job or must be saints or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you bring them home. Now the agency that I work with, they fully vet them. So uh, after you bring them home from the shelter, you kind of communicate what the status of the dog is. If they have bugs, um, if they have worms, if they develop a little, all of these things are fairly common. Mm-hmm. If they have kennel cough. That's a very common one. That What a kennel cough, what kennel cough is, is just a, if you hear a dog yak for a little bit, they say like the shortness of breath or yakking a lot. It's just like a common cold for a dog. Right. They don't. They don't give it to you. It's mm-hmm. not like that. Our colds don't go to dogs, and their their colds don't go to us. But um, it's very common for shelters because of the high influx of of turnaround in dogs there and uh, the bad conditions that they live in. I mean, they, right. they don't. They don't live in the great. They live in a cement fence. That's what they live. Right, in. with a bunch of other dogs that are hack, hacking. That are also hacking. Um. And worms are also pretty common for shelter dogs. So mm-hmm. um, my, the agency that I work with, um, which is Canine Angels, they're a great agency out of Houston. And um, they fully vet them. So that means that you get all of the drugs necessary to get the dogs healthy. And um, they set up... If anything happens to the dog while they're, you know, you're worried that the kennel cough isn't getting better, they hurt themselves, something like that, 
Canine Angels has an agreement with the vet in their area to take them, and they cover obviously cover all the costs of that. Correct. They uh, fix them, and um, so it's a great thing. The most important thing is obviously getting dogs out of the shelter so that they aren't euthanized. Yes. The second thing is to give the dogs a sense of normalcy because dogs aren't themselves when they're in shelters. It's impossible to get a good grasp of the kind of dog you're going to get when you're just wandering around and a lot of dogs can be left behind. Um, The little dog that I picked up today who we haven't named yet, but she was scared. She'd been in the shelter for a while. We don't know where she came from, but she's incredibly shy. She stayed in the back of the kennel. Mm -hmm. Um, She jumped when anyone touches her. And if you're looking for a good family dog, it seems like she's not going to work out. Yeah. I mean, if you're going through the shelter yourself and you're Mm -hmm. trying to get a dog, you're not going to get the one that's going to be, in the corner peeing itself. Exactly. Yeah. And so by you bringing it into your home, you just give it a sense of what, how, how it works to be a dog. It's kind of an acclimation period. That's really what it is. It's, they call it a decompression that when you bring a dog from the shelter, the things they're going to do right away is just sleep and mm-hmm. sleep and sleep and sleep because they've been in a rowdy place for so long where they haven't been able to sleep. And then, they wake up and they are just so grateful and you can see it and feel it. And it's, it's amazing. Um, and then you help people find dogs that might be afraid of the shelter, might not be willing to take a dog into their home that has bugs or they has worms or something, but then you get to give them this dog that you've helped create Um, And you have, you've helped create their little personality by bringing them into your house with your dogs so they can see how it works to be a dog. Some of these dogs have been on the streets their entire lives and they don't know what it's like. That's true. You know, some of them have spent their entire lives in a little kennel and don't know what it's like. So you're helping them out. Um, I would also say that it's not only dogs that need fostering. If there's one animal that has it worse than dogs, it's cats. And, um, every agency is always looking for cat fosters. So if you're in a house that isn't, that isn't allergic, that doesn't allow dogs, um, you, you know, maybe you have some other cats and you don't want to bring a dog into it. Um, kittens, I mean, there are so many kittens and, and, and kittens hardly ever make it out of the shelter alive. So, uh, uh, just go and. Do your part. Just, yeah, do it. If you can do it, do it. If you can't, we understand. Not everybody can because, I mean, there's limitations. If you live in an apartment complex that doesn't allow pets or you have to pay an outrageous rent fee on top of your pets, that's understandable. You know, it's it's a hindrance. But if you have the ability, if you have your own property, if you love dogs, if you love cats, then take a little time out of your day. And, you know, there's some of these places are no obligation either. If it doesn't work for you, say, for instance, if uh, the foster you got today didn't work with our dogs, we can find somebody else to take the dog. Right. Yeah. When you're looking for a place to foster through, that's one thing that I would recommend is find a place that's flexible because you don't want to have to take a foster that does not get along with your dogs and then you have them for months on end. Um, Fostering can be a long-term thing. Yeah. Depending on the agency that you're with. You want to make sure that... you have a dog that works with your lifestyle, but most fostering places are very flexible. They understand that this is, um, something that people do out of the goodness of their heart. They're obviously not getting paid for it. And so they do their best to make their fosters happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing that I would say a lot of the things that people say for not fostering is that they're worried how it's going to affect the, the pets that are existing in their house they're worried that they're not going to be able to say goodbye when the dog does get adopted Mm -hmm. and they're worried it's going to mess up their life. And I would say all three of those are totally true. (laughs) Um, I had all three of my dogs when I started fostering and it totally messed up my life. Um, And it is hard to say goodbye when they have to go, when they get adopted. 
Yeah. I, yeah. Cause you don't know which week it is. I mean, you never know. There's some that you've had for five, you know, five, six weeks every week they come back. And then the one week they don't, you're like, Oh, right. You know. Because how my fostering agency works and how a lot of them work is you hold the pet in your home for a week. And then, um, on the weekends or, you know, some places do it on the weekdays, you take them to an adoption event, an adoption fair, um, an adoption center, whatever, where the public can come and meet these dogs. So they're not meeting you at your house. Exactly. And then if the dog, if they decide to adopt the dog, they're great. That means that you're not picking up the dog that Sunday. Yeah. And you essentially said your goodbyes mm-hmm. on when you dropped them off. So it can be heart wrenching for sure. Yeah. Definitely. But it gets needy dogs out of places where they're going to die. And the dog you got to get today was on the euthanasia list. Like it was supposed to be off yesterday. Yes. So it's, it's, you are, it, there's no like a hyperbole you know, somewhere out there, um, a, a pebble in the pond and it's ripples. No, you're actually saving lives. Yeah. So, so yeah. Any, any other pointers or anything you want to, sh- I mean, I guess Google it, Google. Google it. I mean, every place that every place I've ever seen that does dog adoptions, humane societies, best friends, animal. Oh, so that's the big one. That's like a nationwide organization. Yes, they all need fosters all the time. The more, and it doesn't have to work like mine. Some dogs just need a place to get away from the shelter so that they don't go insane. And you can just take a dog into your house for two or three days, give him a nice meal, a nice bath, and then get him back out there so that he can really steal people's hearts and there there's roles for in-betweeners too like people who mm-hmm. can't like say for instance for instance us if we have to go on vacation or something like that but we still want to foster if we need to let go of a dog for a day or two there's some people that could just snatch up a dog if you can do that do that right you know, there's that some people days. that have you know time on and time off so they pick up a dog for three days over other people's long weekends you know thanksgiving and christmas is always a time when people are going out of town mm-hmm. and so you just just do something don't if you just if you are just even volunteering your time obviously just go in the shelter and and help these dogs you know make them feel loved and just letting them know how it feels to be loved is all they need to to attract a future family that is going to make them happy and they're going to make them happy exactly exactly that's a good topic it hits close to home it sure does just like a mailage <laughs> on that note i think we should end it right yeah okay i gotta go to bed well folks uh we'll see you in about two weeks bye uh, on behalf of the mr mr pocket oh. mr and mrs podcast i'm mr max i'm mr max <sighs> how's your face <laughs> i'm mr max <laughs> I'm just gonna look at you and you're just gonna smile. look at me. And, uh, she's Mrs. Lacey. I'm Mrs. Lacey. <laughs> Dork. That's Miss Lacey to you. Miss Lacey to you. <laughs> I'm taking my name back. <laughs> anyway, peace out, bitches.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.